Yolanda Flores is the Administrative Director of Post-Secondary Adult and Community Education for Collier County Public Schools at Lorenzo Walker Technical College. She has over 32 years of experience working in a variety of educational settings, which she's going to talk with us about in our conversation. She has served on a variety of community initiatives as well as state initiatives that promote the importance of workforce education. Yolanda understands that education must work closely with business and industry in order to successfully prepare students for career pathways and entering the workforce. With this understanding, she looks to increase partnerships with business and industry that will create authentic learning experiences for students while meeting the needs of local employers. She is a passionate advocate for all things career and technical education. Thanks for joining me today, Yolanda. I'm so happy to have time together. Thank you, Tessa. I uh, look forward to sharing um, information about career and technical education and all the exciting things happening in our community. Yes, I'm really excited to talk about this. I think, you know, career and technical education has always been so important and so relevant, but right now more than ever, I think that there's a lot to talk about. So tell me, how did you uh, wind up in the position that you're in? Well, that's a long story. I started off in education over 30 years ago, teaching high school. Um, and But on top of teaching, I had an opportunity to work with uh, students after school for those that were behind in their credits or that were at risk of dropping out of school. And through that, I came to the realization that traditional high school doesn't necessarily work for everyone and that also the traditional options that we think about education are not necessarily the best for everyone. And so it's important to have multiple choices. And it was through that position that I found out about adult education programs available, such as ESOL, English for Speakers of Other Languages, GED, and of course, our technical college, because I had never heard about technical colleges before. I was aware about uh, two-year schools, the community colleges at that time, and four-year universities, but had never been exposed to technical college. And it was through that role, that experience, that I became aware of these options, and I became a believer. Fortunately, I had an opportunity uh, then to transition to work at the University of South Florida, where they had a very interesting program where they were trying to bring back individuals uh, to connect them to school. And um, the University of South Florida had a grant that was very forward thinking. And it was just not about students coming to their four year university, but come and let's explore the different options. So whether it's technical college, whether it's a two year school, the four year school, provide you an opportunity to provide and then choose what is the best option for you. Yeah, so since then, I um, then came to Collier County in 1997 and I worked with the adult populations in GED, ESOL refugees, migrant farm workers, uh, and then eventually became a, a high school uh, assistant principal, principal, and then now the administrative director for the school. Wow, that, that really describes why you're, why you're passionate about this. I think it's so interesting that you can, you know, have a career in education and really not be aware of the opportunities for adult education and technical college. That's correct. And we still see that nowadays with our counseling staff out at traditional schools. You know, they don't know what they don't know, right? And we're all made up of our experiences. 
Uh, and until we're exposed to other things, we're not aware of that. So that's a big part of my job and a big part that I've been involved in since I took over the school as uh, principal and then as administrative director is to help educate not only our educators, but the public in terms of what is career education? What are the technical colleges and what opportunities are there out there? Because the more that we educate individuals, the more they come to understand and then they become advocates, not only for us, but also for our students and ultimately help them choose the right pathway. Yeah, so, you know, that's this is so interesting because I hear sometimes that, you know, technical college or vocational school is sort of like, where you go if you're not college material, as people say. So maybe talk a little bit about why it's important to inspire um, you know, students, especially students coming up in K through 12, uh, about why they should pursue a career in technical career pathways. Right. Um, yes. And for those that grew up back in the day when I grew up, you know, it was all about tracking and um, either or. Right. And so even me as a student, I can remember when they used to say uh, we used to have uh, vocational what they called programs in my school at high school. And I, to this day, I remember where hearing, you don't want to take the VOTEC classes because those are for those classes are for those that can't, right? You need to take these classes over here if you plan to go on to a two or four year college. Um, we're fortunate that times have changed and our perceptions slowly are changing, that it's no longer an either or, but it's about discovering what do you want to do and then building upon it, right? So someone can start off at a technical college, which is short term. Most of the programs are short term, a year or less. We have a few that go over that year, but most of them a year. Discover, is that something that I'm interested in doing? Am I interested in nursing, let's say? Get that hands-on experience. And if they decide that that's what their passion is, then from there, they can continue on to a two-year school and or directly to a four-year school to continue on with nursing. One of the things that I've seen through my experience is that those individuals that have had CTE, either as a high school student or as an adult, when they go on to a two- or four-year university, they have more success. Why? Because they've already had some time to do some career exploration and find out is that something that they're interested or not, right? I know even myself having gone to a four-year university, I think I changed my major two or three times, right? These individuals that make that transition already kind of know I want to follow that pathway or I don't. Yeah, so well, and so that sounds like this new term that I keep hearing all the time, which is like stacking credentials, right? And lifelong learning. I'm curious though, how does that work out economically? It's a great value for the students. It's a great value for society. So think about this. And I always use the practical nursing or the health science career pathway as one of the ones, um, because it's easier to understand. So someone that economically does not have the funding needing to go to a two or four year university could start off taking one of our most entry level programs, which is either home health aid, phlebotomy or CNA. All those programs are about 165 hours, right? There, they can go straight to the world of work. And in Southwest Florida, based on our population, those are fields that are in high demand, right? but it's not a dead end. 
many a times when I talk to students that are in those basic programs, I ask them, what are you interested in doing next? And probably 90% of the time, they say, I'm interested in practical nursing. So from there then, those students are already working, making 15, 16 hours, uh, dollars an hour. In some cases, there's plenty of opportunity for overtime because there's a huge demand. Uh, so they're already working in the field. And then they can apply to practical nursing if they get into practical nursing, a one-year program, uh, and start working. After they graduate from practical nursing, if they want to go to the world of work, they can continue working as a practical nurse, probably making you from anywhere from 18 to $25 an hour. But they could then go on to uh, work on their registered nurse program, whether it's at FSW or at another school, and they get advanced standing. They get credit for some of the work that they've done with us as they go into those programs. Plus, they got that, that hands-on experience. So... The other thing is that students that come through a technical college, and our tech, not all technical colleges are the same in terms of what financial aid they offer the students. But our students, if they're eligible, they can apply for the Title IV funding, which is the Pell Grant. Mm -hmm. um, we do not do loans at our school. So our goal is that for every student that comes through our door, leaves debt-free. So uh, we do have scholarships for those students that might not be eligible for Title IV funding or for the 100% funding. Um, we're very fortunate to live in a community where we have future makers um, and the Community Foundation of Southwest Florida has been very supportive in providing scholarships to help meet that need of those individuals that are not eligible to get maybe Title IV funding. Also, we have other funders in the area such as the Richard M. Schultz Family Foundation, the Moorings Park Family Foundation that give us those scholarship dollars that we need in order to ensure that those individuals leave our school debt-free. So talk about investment um, and who would want to leave an education without having any debt, Yeah, right? Not, not so student saves lots of money. Yeah, not to mention that basically what you're saying is that you can, you can go to school for a short period of time, make a short investment in time, we're finding ways to creatively fund and you can leave that period of time debt free. You have a credential that can get you an in-demand job, entry-level position where you can start working and then figure out the next step for you to, to advance or move forward. That, that sounds amazing. And then also, you know, we work with a lot of healthcare providers because as you mentioned, the demand is huge, especially for a lot of these entry-level positions and, and, you know, and some of the more advanced positions. But uh, you know, I was talking with Lee Health, who's our biggest employer here in Southwest Florida, uh, just last week, and they were saying that they have over 150 certified nursing assistant positions open right now. And so, and that's just Lee Health. We have a ton of healthcare in this community and otherwise. So that is, that's huge. And do you, and I think the next part of that is then also once you're working, sometimes these employers pay for you to finish and go on and advance your education. Are you finding Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and we see examples of that all the time. In fact, um, just recently, there was a story in the newspaper about one of our students uh, graduated in 2016 or 17 um, as a practical nursing student. And he was fortunate enough to come in as a dual enrollment student. So as a high school student, he was in the adult programs. He left 
with absolutely, even uh, high school students pay nothing to go to the technical colleges if they're accepted. So that's another benefit then for high school students, right? A free education. Uh, but that young man, he um, is right now working as a traveling nurse and he's out in San Diego. Uh, and again, due to the pandemic and all the opportunities available, he took advantage of it. He's making over $100,000 a year with that. But I recently spoke to him and I said, well, what are you interested in doing when this is over? Uh, are you coming back home to Naples? Or are you heading somewhere else? And he's like, oh, no, I want to come back to home to Naples. I said, that's great. Now you need to start thinking about where do you want to work? And make sure you ask the question of the employer, will you pay for me to be able to continue on with my next step of becoming a registered nurse, right? Ask the questions because you're absolutely on target. There are some employers that will pay for you to continue on on that career pathway. When I think about how many students these days have to work while they're pursuing a, 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 an associate's or a bachelor's degree, it really makes sense to start off in the career pathway in the career field that you want to be in if you're going to work while you're in school why not work in the field that you plan to be in i mean it just makes a ton of sense absolutely so so for you know we've talked a little bit about healthcare, but can you describe a little bit more what what exactly are the technical colleges and how do they you know are there any other benefits to the to the students and the community Okay, so we talked a little bit about the benefits to the students. There's a big benefit to the community as well. Uh, the technical colleges, there's 47 throughout the state of Florida. And we, uh, the technical colleges offer programs to meet also the needs of the community, of their local business community. So here in Southwest Florida, we lo work local, uh, closely with the Workforce Development Board, as well as our business community to identify what is the need. And we offer programs to fit that need. So uh, our students leave with a job, and then our local employers meet, uh, end up getting individuals that can help meet their demands. Um, so I brought up our business community. Each one of our programs has an advisory committee, right? And these advisory committees are experts. They're the business owners in that field. And so they provide expertise uh, in terms of what we're teaching. They look at our curriculum. Is it relevant? The equipment that we are using, is it relevant? What changes do we need to make? And then they also um, either come in as guest speakers or uh, we'll have interviews set up, uh, round-robin interviews where they'll come in and do round-robin interviews of our individuals. They provide job shadowing and internship opportunities. And ultimately, they hire the students uh, that leave our program. So we offer programs where there is a need. Students leave with a job, employers get what they're looking for. So what I hear you saying, and I actually know this from my own experience working with the technical colleges here locally over the years, it sounds like businesses can really have an influence on what you all are teaching the students, their, their future workforce in these programs. Absolutely. We welcome that partnership. I'll give you an example. A few years ago, um, I started up the HVAC art pro uh, program, which is air conditioning, uh, refrigeration and repair. We didn't have one at our school. But before starting that program, it wasn't done in isolation or that one day I woke up and said, oh, I think we need to have this program here. 
we looked at the data of what the data shows. Um, and it showed that there's, of course, without looking at the data living in Southwest Florida, we know we can't survive without yeah. air conditioning, That's right? Yes. So it was surprising that we didn't have an air conditioning program. But we looked at the data to prove there's a need, this is a growth. Uh, then we involved our, our business uh, community and many partners came to the table. One of the, our, our largest supporter and uh, biggest partner is Conditioned Air in, in Southwest Florida. Using that, that input, we built that program from the ground up uh, and got engaged in doing a whole building modification, uh, bringing in the equipment that was needed, et cetera. However, that wasn't enough. We were not producing enough students to meet their needs yet, right? So we needed to expand. So again, we engaged our business partners uh, when the opportunity arose uh, that we could apply for some grant funding to start up an apprenticeship program. We met with them and said, how can, can we and would you support it and how can we build that? So then a group of HVACR business individuals came together to help us write the standards for the apprenticeship program and to build that program from the ground up. Now, that was a year ago that we started that process. The uh, pandemic kind of delayed the start of the apprenticeship program, but in October, we sat our first class of 18 students in that apprenticeship program. Now, um, there was another opportunity to write for another career pathway uh, grant to possibly do another apprenticeship program or a pre-apprenticeship. We decided to continue building on that program because we, again, know the demand is larger than what we have in place right now. So now the focus is to start building a, um, a pipeline for individuals that are in English for speakers of other uh, languages or in our GED classes. So that while they're working on those skill sets, they're also learning about the HVACR field, the air conditioning field, and hoping then once they finish that apprenticeship program, they either continue on to the apprenticeship program or they continue on to our full-time air conditioning program. So there's options for them. All right, that, that's huge. So it sounds like if you need to pursue something like a GED or English is not your primary language that you speak, but you need that in order to have a career, you can work on those things while also working on a, a credential um, from the technical college as well. Is that, is that what you were saying? That's correct. And that is one of our focus, not only statewide, um, they call it integrated education training, but that's been a focus of ours here locally. And I'm a big believer in that, having worked in our English for Speakers of Other Languages programs in GED, that students need to know why they're doing what they're doing. When they come to those programs, it's just not about learning English or about getting their GED. They need to be thinking about what would they like to do in their future? Uh, so some of the changes that we made to help introduce them early on, any student entering those programs has to go through an orientation. Now, pre-pandemic times, it was an on-site orientation. And as part of that orientation, the students would take a tour of the school so that they could start seeing our automotive program, our air conditioning program, cosmetology, et cetera, because many of them might not have come through our doors before or might've been like me many years ago that had no idea that technical colleges existed or what really is there, right? So it was that introductory of, yes, you're coming to us for English classes or for GED, 
but look at what else is here and what we have to offer. Then working closely with my assistant director that's responsible for those programs, identifying those individuals that possibly could be concurrently enrolled for both, right? And it, it takes getting to know the students, what kind of commitments that they do they currently have in their lives and or are they willing to make the commitment to be able to do both at the same time. So it's not for everyone. We, it's for the education institution to provide the opportunity, but then the student has to be committed to wanting to take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, and I, I suppose the, the potential of a career in a well-paying job um, is really the driver. And you're right, you know, in our experience, recruiting for some of the, these really in-demand entry-level positions that require a credential, we have definitely found that particularly adults who are already working age, they need to know there's a career at the end of this pathway, that they're not, they're not, they don't always have the luxury of just going back to school just to, just for the benefit of going back to school, but that there is a career at the end. Right. Right, absolutely. And you know, you brought up entry level. So entry level, I always see those as our home health aid, our phlebotomy, CNA. But then when you look at the rest of the programming, that to me, I see more as you know, high wage earning as defined by the workforce development um, board, right? So individuals have an opportunity to make a living wage, yeah. right? And from there, continue on. Um, when I look at, um, information technology or the network field. Mm. There's a big demand for that area. And uh, this is an example of what happens. I have many individuals that have come through our doors through our, our network support program that are working out there in the community. With some of our biggest employers, of course, are Collier County Public Schools, the Sheriff's Department, the hospital, et cetera. Everyone needs network support individuals, right? Mm -hmm. um, I cannot find, I want to expand the program and I cannot find an instructor. Why? Because these individuals that have come through our doors and you know, we keep in touch with many of them that could come back and teach, um, won't come back because they're making more in their positions than they would as a teacher, right? Yeah. So, and a teacher requires a four year degree. For us individuals that want to come to teach, we need their expertise six years of experience in their field, as well as any industry credentials that might be required of the program. And then we train them how to teach the next generation. But it's it's difficult to attract because many of these individuals that have come through our doors have continued to grow in their professions, make more, and it's, it's hard for them to come back into the teaching field then. Yes, that is, I've heard that so many times that it's so hard to find teachers because these career pathways are so in demand, you can make a lot of money doing the actual work. So that actually tells me that there's an opportunity for philanthropy there. And this is why we all need to work together, right? Education and business and philanthropy and um, and all of us sort of coming together to to create the workforce we need because you know, a donor could come forward and say, hey, I'm going to supplement the salary for a teacher, for a good teacher to come in and teach, you know, however many students to get them out into the workforce. I'm going to supplement that, that, uh, that salary so that we can have more of these credentials among our workforce going forward. 
Right. And that becomes a little bit more complicated in terms of the supplementing, yeah. right? Because of course, being part of Collier County Public Schools or any school district, you always have the union that you have to deal oh. with and it becomes an HR. Uh, however, uh, you're right on track in terms of, we do have to have a discussion, whether it's statewide, of how do we attract more individuals to CTE? So sometimes it has to start at the state level. Do you supplement those uh, positions uh, since there's a demand? And um, this past year, our chancellor, Henry Matt, he sent out a survey to find out what are some of the challenges that we have in terms of attracting uh, CTE teachers to the field and what is it that the state can do in order to help us. So these discussions are ongoing, not only locally, but statewide trying to identify solutions to help fix that problem yeah it's very complicated but i definitely think it's worth having the conversations to find the solutions because you know we we hear about this every single day employers needing people and we just don't have enough teachers to be able to create enough seats for people to learn the skills and that they need in order to fill those jobs so you've right. mentioned a few programs um but what are what are some of your most popular programs most popular programs, of course, anything in health science. So in the health science field, uh, practical nursing is our number one program that people are interested in. Surgical technology is another uh, popular one. Um, CNA, home health aid, uh, pharmacy tech. The one program that we are having a little bit more uh, difficulty attracting individuals to within the health field is medical assisting. And I think part of that is because people don't quite understand what is a medical assistant. Mm -hmm. We know there's a huge demand out there for medical assistance. We hear it every day from employers. So that is one that we keep exploring here at our school. What can we do in order to help educate individuals about medical mm -hmm. assisting and, and that field? Uh, so that's in the health science world. Outside of the health science world, transportation, and in transportation, we have auto service technician. Uh, we have three full-time teachers here at Lorenzo Walker. Out in Immokalee, they have two full-time teachers. So it's a huge program, lots of need. There, we have about 15 different dealers that sit on our advisory committee. Those individuals, they come in, they get a job, out the door they go. Um, aviation, the airframe and the power plant mechanics, huge demand, and they will continue to be a huge demand. We've got um, Southwest Florida International Airport in our backyard, right? You've got uh, just talks about the Glades County Airport, even though some people think it's far away from the Naples area, it's really not that far, and right. there's people that are willing to move. Um, and so in the aviation field right now, we're the only ones in Southwest Florida that, that have had a program for a very long time. I think now it's been since maybe uh, in early 2000s that the program came about. Um, Charlotte Technical College, I hear they're just starting theirs. Mm -hmm. So that's another one now coming to Southwest Florida. And, you know, I hope they have success because they're needed. Huge yeah. demand. We cannot keep up with that demand in the aviation yeah. uh, field. Other uh, transportation ones that we have that people do not think about, we have auto collision and repair. And so if you've ever been in a wreck, you probably met one of our auto collision technicians, right? They're the ones that bring your car back to looking nice. Yep. And then finally, Southwest Florida, a lot of people want a boat. Oh. They don't know how to keep up with it. 
we have marine mechanics for them as well. So those are popular in the transportation field. And then of course, our uh, computer, mm. our network support program, our database program, huge demand there. Such a demand, and we talked a little bit earlier about stacking those credentials, and I think I mentioned industry certifications. This past year, we were fortunate that we received funding from the Richard M. Schultz Foundation to help individuals get that industry certification. So right now, we have short-term evening classes that prepare people for some of those industry certifications needing it needed in the IT field, in the information technology field. Those are our most popular programs. But on top of that, we have programs like cosmetology, dental assisting, um, we have culinary arts, digital. So just to name a few. Yeah. Wow. That, you know, it makes so much sense now that you describe these programs. I mean, these are all things, these are all skills and jobs that really are crucial and credential, or, I'm sorry, crucial to sort of making sure our community works, right? And especially, I love, you know, we all know healthcare is just, the demand for healthcare probably is not going to change. Um, but you're so right about the technology piece. You know, every industry needs needs folks who are well-trained in technology. It doesn't matter what sector you're in, it is necessary. So it's, it's great to hear about sort of that huge demand, but then to understand, you know, what those jobs are. And, and you really made that clear. Um, you talked about, you know, finding teachers as a challenge and, and sort of the policy discussions that are hopefully going to continue to grow around that. What other challenges do, do the technical colleges face these days? Okay, so we talked about the teacher shortage. We talked a little bit about the perception, right? And I think uh, that's changing a little bit more and more. Right now, career education is on everyone's lips. We hear it about, about it at the federal level. We hear about it at the state level. Our local level has uh, had many ongoing conversations about the need for CTE. We have to continue to work on changing that perceptions for our community. Uh, and some of the things that we've done is, again, pre-pandemic, but now we're exploring how can we continue do, to do that in a virtual world? We uh, went from having one um, elementary school bringing their fifth graders in through our door to now pre-pandemic, we had 17 elementary schools that brought all their fifth graders in to our school so that those students can start thinking about a technical college mm. and what it is, right? Um, eighth graders, it used to be that our principal from the high school, because we do have a technical high school attached to us, would go out to every single middle school in Naples to speak to the eighth graders and provide them that opportunity uh, uh, to learn about the technical schools. And then in the evenings, we'd have uh, works, or I'm sorry, uh, tours for the parents or community members to come and explore and find out what we have to offer. So changing the perception is ongoing, right? A challenge that we have to continue to address. Third, um, funding. Funding is a huge challenge. Right now, if you look at funding for my school, uh, for this year, we're probably about a million dollars, a little bit over a million dollars under funding, meaning we're producing a lot more than what we're supposed to get. 
money for. Mm. And so if you ask me, what would you do with those a million dollars, Yolanda, if you had those, if they gave you those, I could start up probably 10 new programs, mm. right? Is there a need for 10 new programs uh, here in a community? Absolutely. I can tell you right now, if I had the money, I would start up an electrical program. I would start up a construction program. I would do a telecommunications fire alarm security mm. uh, program. So the list goes on and on of what I could do, right? So with that, our funding comes starts that 75% of our funding is through our workforce appropriation dollars. 25% comes from the tuition and the lab fees that we collect from students. That's how our funding. So I would always, I would say for those individuals that are out there listening, reach out to your legislators, have a conversation with them, tell them how you've interacted with our technical schools and ask them to please to continue to support the work that we do, because each one of you out there, you have come across graduates from a technical college. Next time you're at your doctor's office, ask that individual there, where did you go to school? Mm. Next time you go out to eat at a restaurant, oh, did you go to culinary arts program at one of our schools? The dentist's office, who's, who's your assistant there that's, uh, helping process you in. Mm -hmm. If you start asking those questions, you'll find out that many of them came through our technical college. So use your voice to then reach out to those legislators and say, these positions are important for our community. The work that the technical colleges is critical. Please continue to support them. Yeah, that, what a great idea. And I bet businesses could do that too, right? Especially the ones that are drawing from your from your workforce pool. Absolutely, and that's one of the things that we ask. I'm glad you mentioned that because this past year, uh, the chamber we work closely with the Chamber of Commerce here in in Naples, and Michael Dalby is very very supportive of the work that we do, mm -hmm. and he invites us to come do presentations to the chamber and also ask what is it that. Uh, they can do for us. This year, as part of the legislative platform for uh, the Chamber of Commerce is to increase the funding for technical college to continue to support us. So it is on their legislative platform. Um, so we are so grateful for the support that we're receiving from our community. Yeah, that that's fantastic. And I will say I've seen a, most of the chambers, including the, the Naples Chamber, are Future Makers partners. And I'm just thrilled to see how the chambers are looking more at how they can support those business education partnerships understanding how important you know workforce is everything for a business right. right you can't grow you can't start you can't grow without workforce so um so tell me a little bit about your students who who is your typical student so our students range anywhere from the age of 16 on up that we have no limit at the other end when you look at, we do have a technical high school attached to us. So those students um, that are at the technical uh, school during their junior and senior year is when they will start engaging in their career program. So that by the time they graduate from high school, not only will they graduate with their high school diploma, but they will also graduate with their certificate of completion from the program that they chose, right? That's the, that's the goal. Many of those high school students are also then enrolled at Florida Southwestern for their academic 
um, dual enrollment. Mm. So those high school students with us, they do career dual enrollment. With FSW, they have the opportunity to do academic dual enrollment. Now, one of the things that people do not realize is that high school credits taken here through our program are weighted just like they're weighted if they took a course over at FSW. Mm. Okay. So high school students, uh, we probably have about 285 high school students that are currently enrolled in one of our technical programs and they come to us half time. Then we have individuals that are coming in for straight out of high school and we like to track our data. Where are you coming from, right? So there's a, probably, I would say about 25% that are coming straight from after they gra graduated from high school, this is their option. And then we have other individuals that have gone to the world of work and now are looking to retool themselves and are coming back for retooling. We have individuals that go on to a two or four year university. And for whatever reason, they decided that that was not for them. Mm -hmm. They come to us to do this. Doesn't mean they won't go back to that two or four year university, but they're looking to do something else in the meantime. Um, so those are in our individuals. When you look at our English classes or our GED classes, we have individuals from all walks of life. We have people that have been professionals in their country that have come to the United States and they're having to start over again mm -hmm. from learning English and then going on up from there. We have individuals that grew up here in the United States that dropped out of school, that spent a lifetime working uh, to um, raise their children, working, and not until they get into their 50s or 60s that they decide it's time for them. Uh, last year, we had a, a, a Miss Bailey that she's a um, health worker in one of the assisted living uh, facilities that came back and she ended up getting her GED. And awesome. so they come from all, our students come from all walks of life, right? Yeah, that that is so good to know. So, cause it can be intimidating, especially, you know, depending on where you are in life, it, it can be intimidating to think about going back to school. So if I'm a person out there right now, which I bet there are, I, I don't bet, I know there are a lot of them who is, you know, has been working for a while or just got out of school and my, I plan to go directly to work, but it's not really working out for me or my industry has taken a hit because of the pandemic or in years past because of the hurricanes or because of red tide or any of the other number of things that kind of rock our economy from, you know, from one end to another. If I'm if I'm not sure, but I think I need to start a different career pathway, or if I'm not sure if technical colleges for me in general, you know, what do I do? What would you recommend? I would recommend for them to go to our website, lwtc.edu. Scroll down to the bottom of the homepage where they're going to find a series of workshops that we have available career exploration, start there, mm. come on in. And we have some now available virtually as well. That will start you at least meeting our advisors that can help start guiding you through that pathway. And if you need to do some more work in terms of what's my skill sets, what's what are my likes, what are my dislikes, et cetera, our advisors can help you figure that out and then point you in the right direction from there. It just becomes you come through us if you come to one of those and it turns out that you know what based on what 
your assessment says this isn't for you, it's a two year, we have no problem referring you over to FSW and introducing you over there. One of the things that people don't realize is that all our education, higher education, education providers here in Southwest Florida work together mm -hmm. in order to help our students succeed. We're not competing against each other. I'm not competing to get an FSW for students. And I'm not saying that we're better than or that students should come to career and technical education and not do a two or four year uh, program. As human beings, we're all different, right? So why should there not be different educational opportunities for different individuals, depending on where their interest is? in so i see the goal and i and i see this working in southwest florida with our partners we're all vested in find helping students find that right career pathway for them so i would say start there talking to an advisor do an assessment if you're not sure in terms of what you're wanting to do ask the questions and really be frank about it and don't let anyone try to push upon you you should do this. No, you're the one that needs to figure out once you collect all that information, really what is it that you want to do? And don't let money be a driving force, right? Mm -hmm. So many times I hear from advisors that students come in or potential students asking what occupation pays the most because that's the program that I want. Mm -hmm. That's the wrong reason to go into a job. Find your passion because once you find your passion, the money will come. Mm -hmm. I say that because if you're really interested in what you're doing, you're going to work hard at it. You're going to work at becoming the best that you can be within that profession because you enjoy it. Mm -hmm. When you go into something that you're doing it for the money and you're not enjoying it, you might fail miserably and then you're going to be miserable every day of your life because we spend most of our uh, day working. So find what interests you. Yeah, that's such a great point. And I just want to reiterate that um, one way that philanthropy and that we're all, you know, grant making and all the things that we're doing together can help is I, I want to just reiterate that if, if finances are what you view as the barrier, don't stop that. Don't let that stop you from inquiring because I do know that, that a lot of uh, philanthropists and donors and grants are out there that are and we're all working so hard together to get those into our technical colleges so that we can help cover the the costs the tuition and the fees and sometimes even even other issues that come up that are a barrier to a person getting in or finishing so I just want to kind of put an exclamation point on that financial part as I know so many people are struggling right now um, to make ends meet and and the idea of going back to school might just be might just be you know a little bit daunting and so it at minimum i just want to say that be a, be an advocate right yolanda be an advocate for what it is that you're passionate about and what it is that you think you want to do and for yourself if you don't have the money to do it absolutely um one of the things in terms of advocacy speak up ask the questions don't be afraid to say to that advisor hey i want to do this but I don't have the money, I don't qualify. Maybe last year or the year before I made a lot, so I know I'm not going to, but now I don't have a job, I've lost my job. We have financial aid available, we have scholarships available, but you gotta ask. One of the things that we do every semester here at our school, um, students are given five days after the semester starts to pay their tuition, lab fees, right? And after those five days, they can be dropped. 
Well, one of the things that we've instituted is let's not drop the students. Let's monitor, and at that five-day period, who has not paid? And now we have our advisors reach out to that mm -hmm. individual and say, hey, the five-day period has come and gone, and you have not paid. What's going on? Is there something that we can help you? And it's through these conversations that we find out sometimes people are too proud to ask for help. Mm -hmm. But then when they're talking to their advisors and we've reached out to them and said, you haven't paid, what's going on? You hear the stories of individuals dropping out, of a family member becoming sick, mm -hmm. of you know everything that's going on there in their lives, but they've been too proud to share. So then our advisors then say, you know, you can apply for this scholarship. Come on, let me take you out over to meet the financial aid advisor, complete the scholarship and let's see what we can do to help you. Yeah. Uh, and students become very appreciative. Um, many of them we hear from after they have left us and how our advisors have played such a huge role in helping them uh, get through the program. Also, another thing that we've done is you brought up that you know emergency situations or things happen to the individuals. Our advisors track the attendance of the students. So they, after three days that a student has not come to school, uh, they'll call and find out, hey, we've noticed you've missed three days in a row. What's going on, right? Um, and sometimes we find out that they don't have money to pay childcare or gas money to get to school, et cetera. And we've been fortunate to have emergency funds from future makers to help close that gap, right? Because we don't want, uh, if they don't have money for gas for that week, $30 or $40, whatever it takes to stop them from coming to school. Why not give them that and, and then being able to continue on? Uh, we used to have the Flying Cruzian, which was our annual event to also bring in funds for those kinds of emergency gaps. Unfortunately, the weather canceled it last year, this year due to the, the pandemic. We have not uh, been able to host it. However, there are other organizations that have stepped up. Uh, the Daniel M. Uh, May Foundation gave us more funding this year that they, they, than they have in the past. Uh, from the state of Florida, we got some rapid response funding to help with short-term training. Mm -hmm. So other good things have happened to help those students continue. Yeah, and I think the beauty of, uh, you know, I work in philanthropy and I think the beauty of the technical colleges, if you're inspired by education, if workforce, workforce development, economic development are your you know, passion, you can give a smaller amount if you don't have a lot to give. You can give a smaller amount in the form of a scholarship or an emergency funds to a technical college and it can go a long way, right? And, and here at the Southwest Florida Community Foundation as part of Future Makers, we have, we have done multi-donor funding and given it to the technical colleges to use. And the fact that you're describing this sort of advising that is proactive, that's mm -hmm. tracking data and using data to figure out how do we make sure someone doesn't stop out because of a flat tire or because they can't, they can't afford groceries this week for their family. And so that instead of coming and finishing their program, they're gonna go work a, 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 an odd job. That is exactly where we need post-secondary, post-high school education to go because students are facing challenges like they never have before. 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And you mentioned, you know, philanthropy can come in those small little chunks. There was an interesting um, event that was done by one of our Rotary Clubs here in Naples a couple of years ago, where they sponsored a shrimp boil down by the beach, right? And then up on the wall, they put a net and then they made little ornaments. And on each ornament, they had a picture of a student in different programs and then said an ornament tools. You could buy tools for uh, students in CNA, let's say for $30, you know, for this, or you can buy a uniform for an automotive student for $50 or, and that way individuals could choose. If you only have $10 to give, this is what $10 can buy for a student in a program right? A gas card for $10. Mm-hmm. So yes, it can come in whatever amount um, people can give. Yeah. Well, I just want to thank you. I, I learned something from you every single time I talk to you. I think you are innovating. I think you are just a, a, a gift to this community and to this field. And so I'm so thankful for you, Yolanda. You've given us so many opportunities to get engaged today. I love it. Um, And so I want to thank you for your partnership and for all you do for for our region. Well, thank you for having me here today. And thank you and to Future Makers and to the Community Foundation of Southwest Florida, because I know that you all have been a big promoter of technical colleges and you have provided funding to our schools. And you do so much, not only locally, statewide, as well as nationally. So thank you for all your support.